We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome inside the Guilty as Charged podcast, coming to you live on a Saturday for a Q&A. Also going to be talking about the uh, Chargers updated practice squad. Uh, maybe get some thoughts about Sony Michelle. I know I was uh, able to do my video. We haven't had a chance to talk to Tyler and Alex about Sony Michelle, Sony Michelle, so we'll uh, definitely chat about all of that. And uh, yeah, obviously you can tell by the uh, the theme today, college football is back. So hopefully, uh, if you're a college football fan, your team wins today, uh, unless you uh, are rooting for USC. Anybody else can win. You're now going to lose, Stephen. I, I hope you know that. <laughs> oh, that, wait, wait, that wait. Happened. Hold on, hold on. I was rooting for Florida. Are they allowed to win today? No. Anybody, anybody <laughs> except for Florida and USC can win today. Sounds good. Hey, I'm just... USC, you know, big history in the Big Ten, you know, really rooting for that historic <laughs> franchise. Luckily, I know that you're like not actually a huge USC football fan or else I would be uh, having a hard time right now, but it's all good. Um, Alex, what's up, man? How you doing tonight? Uh, doing good. Uh, as a storied Big Ten franchise art myself, I hope Rutgers uh, <laughs> doesn't get their asses kicked by Boston College today. So out of conference Ooh. game, start 1-0. There you go. There you go. Boston. Is it at Boston College or in New Jersey? Boston College. Boston College. There we go. Tyler, uh, obviously last night we got to interview Mr. Brayden Fajoko. How did you you like that interview and how are you doing today? It was great. Um, I immediately was worried that my comment about his career was going to hurt his feelings. (laughs) 
but it apparently did not. So we're okay. Yeah. For those who uh, don't know what Tyler is talking about, uh, just watch the first. I mean, you should watch the whole thing, obviously, but uh, watch the first two minutes no. or so of the uh, interview. Had a little connection issue with uh, Brain's Wi-Fi or something like that. And uh, it was a great time, though. Great time. Um, all right. Well, first and foremost, I mentioned it. Let's. Uh, I want to get your guys' thoughts on Sony Michelle. Obviously, we've had a, a little bit of time to simmer on the decision to uh, for the Chargers to sign Sony Michelle, uh, essentially to uh, come in and, and continue the RB two competition with uh, Mr. Joshua Kelly. Isaiah Spiller is still recovering from an ankle injury. Um, Alex had a great day, uh, you know, that specific day, you know, getting Sony Michelle and, um, you know, Jalen Rager was uh, also traded from the Eagles. So, uh, in all, in all seriousness, Alex, what are your thoughts about, uh, the addition of Sony Michelle? Wouldn't have needed him if we drafted Khalil Herbert. Um, but anyway, uh, I think that the addition of Sony Michelle is good. Um, I think they just needed insurance when it came to their RB3, RB4, and how they handled that whole situation. Um, Joshua Kelly looked better in the preseason, but still, when it comes to regular season play, uh, there's still an expectation that we don't know what to expect from him at this point still. Um, I do think, did think he looked a lot better as a runner in the preseason, more decisive, but adding someone like Sony Michelle, who I think is just a familiar veteran presence around the league, uh, is really good. So, you know, if something happens to Austin Eckler, which did last year, you don't have to rely on a rookie, Joshua Kelly and Larry Roundtree to, you know, get you through that time period that he's out. And I think that's what Sony Michelle kind of brings to the table as a bit of a stabilizing force. No people will say he didn't have the best preseason and Miami fans will say he, he looked washed. Um, but like he's here to be the RB three, RB four. He's not here to be the the RB two or like a decisive presence or one A one B with Austin Eckler. You know he's just there to support the group. So I personally think it's a really good move just to bolster the depth. And uh, you know as far as Larry Roundtree, I think they just needed someone better because he wasn't cutting in the preseason. And they basically you know out from the beginning of the preseason said it's going to be Kelly uh, and Roundtree. You know competing for that spot and in the nature of competition. I think Kelly won that and they decided to bring in someone that, you know, Brandon Staley and people are familiar with and Sony Michelle. So I, I really like the decision. Yeah. We've heard it from Brandon Fajoko now, which apparently was from Jay Rogers, which we sort of heard from Brandon Staley as well. They just like bringing in some guys who are just established guys that just do their jobs. Now, some of them are Khalil Mack and Corey Lindsley who are all bros. <laughs> and some of them, you know, can be like a Sony Michelle. Sometimes you just need a guy who just knows how to do his job. This is not a great comparison, but I kind of think of like Damian Pierce out of college, who wasn't our like RB1 or RB2. I think it was your three and my four, at least, Steven. Mm -hmm. Is he an elite athlete? No. Is he a breakaway like home run hitter? No. Is he really like the most elite player running back we've seen? No. But there's something to be said about a guy who's just does his job and is good at his job. And it, I mean, clearly it shows really well in the preseason for Damian Pierce. And for Sony Michelle, not really the most dynamic player you'll ever see, but you're not getting negative two yards. You're not really dancing. You're not wasting time. You're not, oh, well, I know how do I pick up this blitz? No, it's just it's all there. You don't have to really coach Sony Michelle. Justin Herbert doesn't have to worry about getting him lined up correctly, I would assume, you know, before the snap. You just focus on what's in front of you. Sony Michelle will take care of the rest. And you know, Gavino and you've pointed out a couple of clips where Sony Michelle definitely can do that. Couldn't say the same for someone like a Larry Roundtree. I really like the the way they've approached this offseason where, you know, 
if it doesn't work out with whatever their plan was, there seems to be a plan B. Don't get that slot corner, you know, or at least a starting caliber slot corner in the draft or an edge rusher. You know, you get your Kyle Van Noy, you get your Bryce Callahan, all good. We have two running backs that we drafted. We'll give them a chance. Okay, Kelly looks good. Roundtree does not. We'll move on. I really like the process of of how they've approached a lot of things this offseason. So really solid signing. My biggest question really is what is his expected role? To me, it seems like yeah, Eckler RB1, Kelly temporary RB2. Is Spiller more your receiving back? And then like Michelle's your RB3. Is Michelle here to be RB2? I really don't know um, because this is a guy who's shown more than Joshua Kelly isn't younger by any means and certainly has more mileage, but technically he's probably a more reliable RB2 right now, gun to my head, even though they'll make Kelly probably that guy. So I'm really curious what his role is moving forward. Yeah, you know, this is the the kind of move that we wanted all offseason long. And not necessarily we didn't obviously want them to go out and get, you know, uh, a legitimate RB2 and go pay a lot of money for, you know, a, a Chase Edmonds or a James Conner. That would have been nice, but um you know we were i just wanted somebody established that the chargers would be able to trust you know i think looking at a room even with an improved joshua kelly right larry rancher isaiah spiller if anything had happened to austin eckler you feel awful about that depth and awful about the chargers rushing attack in having to rely upon those guys i mean you're looking at um sony michelle's track record over the last couple of seasons i mean in 2020 um new england kind of did the damien harris thing but i mean we're talking about a guy who's gone over a thousand yards twice he nearly did it last year in, in limited action with uh the rams and he's somebody that just kind of stabilizes the position and so um you know tyler's talking about all the things that we were kind of hoping for at the position i think my favorite thing about sony is that he will consistently make the first guy miss and that's something that was sorely lacking out of the running backs last year not named justin jackson and austin eckler and, you know, we've seen Joshua Kelly improve in that regard for sure. Um, but last year, there were just two, there were far too many negative rushing plays from this team, in part because of the roster construction, in part because Joshua Kelly just didn't have that ability. Larry Roundtree doesn't have that vision or athletic ability, which is just kind of a, a very poor mix. Now you're talking about three running backs, and we'll see about Isaiah Spiller, but you, you feel comfortable with the three running backs and getting you at least positive yards even if you just get two yards on a carry that's not necessarily a great run blocking play um you know i, I feel confident that austin eckler sony michelle joshua kelly can get those extra yards make somebody miss get three four yards and not necessarily you know put you behind the sticks on an early down so i i'm a big fan of sony michelle in terms of his role i think we'll see them start the season in, in kind of a 2a 2b situation i would expect kelly to be the 2a um, just because he's kind of earned that he's been here in camp. He knows the playbook. Mm -hmm. He knows what to expect. Um, but Sony, I think, at, I think Sony ends up being second on this team in carries. I really do. Um, behind Austin Eckler, assuming all parties yeah. are healthy. So I'm excited about Sony, man. I think there's a lot of value there. Um, Gavino pointed out the, the pass protection ability as well, which again, we know that Joshua Kelly has been improving, but how does that translate to a game? Now you don't have to worry about that okay if joshua kelly is not comfortable if that mm -hmm. improvement was just kind of a training camp thing now you can put in sony michelle you can put in two running back sets with austin eckler I, again I, I think this just kind of stabilizes the position and this is what we wanted from the jump 
I think it's also just the transition to modern NFL offense a little bit too, right? In terms of how a team like San Francisco is doing running back by committee and just, you know, throwing out a bunch of guys out there. Uh, you know, you have your Austin Eckler as your one, and then it doesn't really matter who two, three, and four are when you have Joshua Kelly, right. Isaiah Spiller, and uh, I was about to say Larry Roundtree uh, and Sony Michelle. When you have those three guys behind Austin Eckler, you can just give it to whoever has the hot hand. And I think that's what the NFL is transitioning to in terms of, you know, how you can attack a team that is bad with pass catching running backs, how you can attack a team that uh, is more resistant to someone who uh, runs like Joshua Kelly, right? So, uh, I think the Chargers can kind of pick and choose their moments with the four guys they have now versus before outside of Austin Eckler, they were just a little bit limited. Yeah, let me just real quick bring up, I know sharp football can be somewhat of a a bad word for someone like Arjun. <laughs> but at least the stats are like, the stats are, the numbers are numbers. And just looking at Larry Roundtree's success rate, 17% off left tackle, 20% you know behind the tackle or whatever. 100% behind the left guard, that's good. And then 50%, 0%, 40%. Just just not really great numbers for, well, Kelly or Roundtree. Um, but Roundtree's numbers are obviously not that great. Let me see if I can pull up Sony Michelle's real quick. I don't have a way to compare them side by side. Um, but just looking at the two, like that's a little better. It's not like immensely better for last year for the Rams. But I'll take that over 17%, 0%. You know, having that, I guess, 50% success rate average isn't terrible or as bad at least. Yeah, and we're you know we talked with, or Arjun talked with Joshua Kelly just about yards after contact, and again that's something that Sony I think really excels in. Uh, so obviously the Chargers do end up deciding to cut Larry Roundtree. He is currently on the practice squad. We'll get to those group of players now. Um, also on the practice squad, they only have fifteen, so they still have one more spot to fill up. But uh, on the practice squad, offensive tackle Zach Bailey, wide receiver Michael Bandy, defensive lineman. Christian Covington and Joe Gaziano, which is kind of a big surprise to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, cornerback Kimon Hall, cornerback Michael Jaquette, I guess is how you say that, according to uh, Chris Harry on Chargers Weekly. Uh, tight end Hunter Campmoyer, outside linebacker, edge rusher Carlo Kemp, safety Raheem Lane, Alex's guy, Rutgers linebacker Tyreek Maddox Williams, and then receivers Jason Moore, Joe Reed, and then rounding it out are Foster Serrell, Mark Webb, and of course, Larry Roundtree. So Tyler, we'll start with you. Uh, initial thoughts on the uh, Chargers practice squad. Some surprises for sure. One being Joe Gaziano. I figured at this point he's put up enough good tape. Yeah, preseason mostly and some regular season to go somewhere else. And we had heard from several people in the building that he was like, yeah, I'd like to go somewhere else and get my shot. So to see him back was definitely a surprise. Um, the non-surprise and the other you know, initial thought is Michael Bandy being back. Arjun pretty early on pointed out that internally the scouts thought, hey, you know, don't feel so great about this particular body type. Yes, he produces, but it's not our kind of wide receiver. And the league felt the same. Obviously, he cleared waivers and ends up on the practice squad. So that's great. Like overall, this practice squad looks really, really good. I am a little curious about the you know distinguishing Raheem Lane as a safety. Mark Webb is a DB. I should ask, I guess. But is Raheem Lane more like? Your free safety in this scenario, then, is Mark Webb more your strong safety? I don't know. I would assume that's kind of what they're getting at. Um, but overall, pretty solid practice squad. And I'm really surprised to see also them just stack defensive linemen on this team. You have six that they kept on the roster. You still have Covington. You still have Gaziano. I think that speaks to some sort of plan. Now, we talked to Fajoko yesterday. He said he he didn't know. You know, there was just, oh, the personal people, decisions 
they make those decisions. Not really sure why we kept six, um, but you know, happy to be here, obviously. But it seems like there's something here that maybe they're kind of planning. I don't know if it's just because they don't feel Otito is ready for big snaps, so someone like Covington maybe activated you know every once in a while because Otito maybe isn't ready. Um, but they're really, really stacking at this position. I'm curious to see what they do with it. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much all of the guys you would expect. Uh, congrats to Jason Moore for achieving his 15th year <laughs> with the Chargers. Um, so he'll be here on the practice squad. But yeah, I mean, Michael Bandy played well in the preseason and you wanted to see him back as well as even, you know, someone like Joe Reed, who obviously had a good first preseason game, then kind of went quiet from there. But we heard pretty good things about him through training camp. They just didn't have space on the roster for him. Um, but yeah, Carlo Kemp, Joe Gaziano. I was a little surprised no one really picked up Christian Covington. That was kind of a surprise for me. I did think some team who maybe just was struggling with defensive depth uh, on their line would maybe give him a call. But um, maybe they also watched the tape from last year and then they didn't. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I think him being back on the practice squad is great, though, instead of being, you know, your sixth defensive tackle who replaces Braden Poco. He's your seventh guy you call up on the practice squad potentially on a game day, you know, or injuries happen. And I think he's a perfect guy for that kind of role. Mark Webb, um, interesting. I guess they're kind of going to let him heal up on the practice squad. And then maybe at some point later in the year, uh, he'll get kind of called up to the roster because it seems like Brandon Staley and that they all still like him uh, in the building internally. So, um, I'll be curious to see kind of what his role is going forward in future seasons, you know, when he does kind of heal up from injury, um, because it felt like he was going to make the roster and they wanted him to make the roster. But, you know, the health just kind of got in the way and they end up keeping Alohi Gilman. But uh, other than that, I think it's pretty expected group of guys. I'm happy to see someone like Carlo Kemp here who, you know, played really well towards the back half of the preseason. Uh, and yeah, overall, really good group. And you feel good if there's like one or two injuries and you have to call these guys up. Now, if you get to like a 2019 Chargers situation where there's a lot of injuries, of course, no practice squad is going to like stabilize that. But uh, I think that this is a pretty good group to start. Yeah, absolutely. I feel good about this group. And um, I guess in terms of the surprises, I, I figured that, you know, Joe Gaziano would be gone. I figured Covington would be gone. And, and Zach Bailey, too, was somebody that I thought would uh get picked up around the league so um those three players i I, i'm i'm glad that they are back you know in in terms of the michael banny stuff and i understand like i I feel like he earned the the roster spot but everybody around the league is doing the power slot thing everybody and that includes even like the patriots who you know their slot receiver right now is kendrick Bourne, who's like 6-1 and he's like 220 or not 220 that's that's way too much it's like 205 210 um, but you know, everybody is doing the big slot guys and that's just not who Michael Bandy is. I think if anything happens to the, you know, Deandre Carter, you feel comfortable with Michael Bandy kind of stepping into that role, um, you know, returning kicks, returning punts and, and being the fifth slot receiver, but he's just, he's so penciled into working out of the slot that I think it really just kind of limits his options around the league. So, um, excited to have him back though. Like I said, you feel good about him being insurance. Um, like LDE Bruin says on on in the chat, you know, Jamal Davis, another edge rusher. I'm surprised that they only have one. I mean, they only have three on the active roster, plus whatever you have in Kyle Van Noy. So um, they do have one more spot on the practice squad. I would like to see that go to an edge rusher. I don't think MK Egbele has signed anywhere. I don't think Jamal Davis has signed anywhere. So they could certainly still bring one of those guys back this week. Um, if not, there are other options around the league, but 
Um, that is the one spot that I'm like, okay, <laughs> if anything happens yeah. to any, if anything happens even to Chris Rumpf, you're like, okay, who's, who's playing backup edge. I don't feel great about this situation. So um, I would like to see them probably add an edge rusher on the active roster, but definitely at least on the practice squad. Yeah, I'm I'm a little bit surprised there's no Emma Kagbele or Jamal Davis. Um, just because I figured yeah. one or both of them would honestly make the practice squad. Um I guess you could sort of say Carlo Kemp won that battle and sort of won them over uh in the latter stages of the preseason, which is a little bit surprising just because I, you know, obviously Emma Kagbele has a lot of familiarity with the team, has been here for a while. Uh Jamal Davis flashed in the preseason, but I think them going with Carlo Kemp, um, was a very targeted signing by Tom Telesco, you know, sort of earlier on the summer and they seem to have really taken a liking to him. So, I mean, it says a lot about his game and how he's played that uh, he was able to make the practice squad over those guys. Yeah. Potentially maybe good news for Ty Shelby then, because he did get way with the injury settlement. There's, oh, yeah. there's a certain number of, of weeks that he's, you know, has to miss or whatever, however that works. Um, but within that certain number of weeks that I'm sorry, I can't share, um, he can be back and they can bring him back. I assume that that means they can also add him to the practice squad. It doesn't have to be an, an active roster thing. Um, so maybe that's something they explore. And that's not a bad timetable. You kind of roll with these guys. Hopefully there's no catastrophic set of injuries between now and then. And then maybe Ty Shelby's kind of your your guy because he, he does fit the prototype. Again, would have had the longest arms on the team if he made it. Um, yeah. Elite athlete. You know, I thought he was pretty good coming out of college uh, in terms of an undrafted free agent. So maybe that's kind of his spot when he comes back. No, I'm not a not an edge guy, but I also, when you said injury settlement, did think of Tavon Campbell, who I mean, yeah. there could be an open spot potentially for him uh, on the practice squad when he gets back. Obviously, his familiarity with the team, but um, yeah, definitely would like a little bit more edge depth considering Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa's health and. Obviously, you know, just the fact that they're not carrying many pure edges on the team right now uh, with Kyle Van Hoy being the hybrid. Yeah, I I mean, like I said, they're, they're, so Larry Rancher will be the 15th player. They have one other spot, um, you know, so we'll have to see what happens there. I was curious to see, like, they didn't sign any interior offensive linemen to a practice squad. I mean, obviously, Ryan Hunter has kind of been that guy for the last couple seasons. Um, so that could be something to keep an eye on, too, at some point. Um, but you know, again, they have a lot of, you know, quality depth on the active roster in terms of that regard. Mm -hmm. Did, uh, Quincy Roche sign somewhere? I felt like I saw him sign on a practice squad somewhere. Mm. I wouldn't be surprised, but I don't, I don't actually know. I didn't see anything, but I don't remember. I mean, if he's not, then get him on the active squad. I don't even want to practice squad that guy. Get him on as edge four right now. <laughs> yeah, I don't see it. Question for you guys, or even wow. the chat: Who do you think the wide receiver six is? Ooh. Probably, probably Jason Moore. That's what I was gonna say, man. Because yeah. like, like they have so many slot guys that can play in the slot. Um, I feel like it would be more, and then Reed, honestly. Well, I mean, they could also play that based on whoever they're replacing, right? Because obviously, sure. if Mike Williams goes down for a couple games or something, like then that's kind of a Jason Moore situation special. Yeah. If it's DeAndre Carter, then you would bring up Joe Reed. If it's you know, um, you know, maybe another receiver, perhaps like Keenan Allen or something, then maybe call Michael Bandy, right? So I mean, there's a bunch of different roles in terms of like how that might play out. I don't think, obviously, if like. 
DeAndre Carter goes down, then you're calling up Jason Moore, right? So there's a lot of, uh, I guess, ways that could go. Yeah, that's fair. I think if uh, I think if you lose Guyton or Palmer, you're probably talking about Joe Reed because Joe mm-hmm. Reed he was uh, he's more of like the backside Z vertical threat kind of player. You know, jo- Jason Moore, more physical jump ball, X receiver. Mm-hmm. If DeAndre Carter goes down, I'm, I'm fairly certain that that would be Michael Bandy's job, not Joe Reed's job. So, um, but I guess we'll see. Or hopefully never see. Or never see. Yeah, never <laughs> see, obviously. Knock on wood. Um, all right. So if you guys have any questions in the chat, that's obviously what we'll do for uh, the next 40 minutes or so. Uh, as always, these Super Chats are encouraged and appreciated. I uh, had a couple great Super Chat uh, questions last night for uh, Brain Fajoko. Got him talking about the Kendrick Lamar thing, which was fun to see. So um, always appreciate all of those. Shout out to uh, Jesse Villalobos. Can you can you update me on what uh, he said about the Kendrick Lamar thing? <laughs> he'll he'll review the film. Yeah, basically he was saying that like um, you know it's kind of a it's like a lack of versatility for Kendrick for him. Like he has to be like sit down and like be in a specific mood to listen to Kendrick, whereas like Drake mm. he can listen to anytime. Is is basically what he said. But he he's only listened to the album one time through. Like Tyler said, he will uh, review the film to review the film. Excuse me to uh, get another feel for it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he's already been on, on the show, so you can say mean things now. Like he's already been on the show, so if you want to just—I mean, it's just funny to hear him say Drake has versatility. I'm like, yeah, he's putting out three out of tens for like four years now. Bad. <laughs> so like, yeah, he can do a lot of things. Not well recently though. Yeah. I I've always liked Drake's singles, right? Like his, yeah. his singles are great, but then you listen to, you know, one through 15 all the way through and you're like 80% of these songs are trash. Yeah. Well, I mean, I listened to the most recent album. I don't remember what it was called, even Nevermind or something like that. And it just mm. sounded like a H and M like soundtrack for 58 minutes. And it was just <laughs> it was terrible. <laughs> Oh man, uh, Teresa wants a Utah season preview. I don't know how okay. we feel about. Have that a one. good morning, everyone. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna leave the show. <laughs> good show. <laughs> oh my gosh! All right, we got our first super chat. Uh, Anthony Vu, appreciate it. Mm. Says, "Morning, fellas. In your opinion, who finishes with the best defense in the AFC West, assuming no major injuries and JC comes back with no issues?" Alex, what do you think? There, best defense in the AFC West. Um, probably has to be the Chargers by default. I mean, Raiders have a lot of secondary issues. Their edges, you know, obviously their edges are, you know, sort of their team. So that would, that's kind of there. Definitely not the Chiefs. Broncos, probably not either. I mean, I love Patrick Sertan, but like, what else do you have up front there? Um, so yeah, I mean, it would probably have to be the Chargers. I would agree, especially if we're given the assuming no major injuries and we get JC Jackson, then sure. Like, yeah, it would be the Chargers. Did this last year, too, where we all thought they'd be top 10. Definitely did not work out. It won't be the Chiefs, but I'm horrified at how good they potentially could be if their guys work out. You watch the the highlights of Leo Chanel in the preseason. Holy crap. That guy looks really, really ready to go. Brian Cook, I don't know if he looks good, but I was a fan of his. They've put some pieces together. Trent McDuffie, obviously. 
I don't think they'll be the, even top two in the, in the AFC West, but I'm curious how good they can be. And I'm a little worried that they could be better than expected. I think you definitely feel great about the Chiefs future if you're, you know, obviously a fan of that team and their defense, right? I mean, you're talking about, you know, two first round picks, George Karloftis, Trent McDuffie. You're talking about Brian Cook, who's going to be a safety three right away for them. Um, Leo Chanel, just a hammerhead linebacker. Sounds like he's not going to start. Sounds like he's essentially Nick Bolton's backup. Um, and you know, they'll kind of live in, in nickel, but he'll get a lot of reps in kind of their base package and, and run defense and things like that. So obviously, if Leo Chanel is your third best linebacker, you're probably doing pretty good at that position, unfortunately. Um, so I, I don't think it'll be the Chiefs this year. You know, they're too young. They're too and they don't have like a ton of explosive play ability. Um, you know, Frank Clark is doing what Frank Clark does and looks great in preseason and training camp and gets a lot of people hyped up on him. And then, you know, he's going to be bad in the regular season, like always. Obviously, they have Chris Jones, who's great. Yeah, they signed Carlos Dunlap. So I think you feel probably better about their defense long term. But short term, it's not going to be better than the top 20 unit, in my opinion. Um, I don't think the Raiders are going to be very good at all on defense. And they just traded no. away their second best cornerback uh, for a bag of chips. So I think those teams are out of it. The Chargers feel like the safest pick here, but the Broncos mm -hmm. with Sertan, Simmons, yeah, and it, it's a lot more question marks than the Chargers just based off of their personnel. But if Randy Gregory is focused and healthy and if Nick Chubb, or not Nick Chubb, Bradley Chubb can get back to who he was a few seasons ago, we all like Draymond Jones. We all like, um, you know, the nose tackle. I forget his name right now. Um the one they Jones. drafted, yeah, no, the ones that the one that they signed. Oh, D from DJ? the Niners, DJ Jones. Yeah, thank you. So if if everything goes right for the Broncos, they could certainly be in the running, but that's a lot of questions. Bradley Chubb hasn't been healthy or good for like three years. Randy Gregory is never locked in. Um, so they have the potential to be the best, but I, I think this is like Chargers by default. Yeah, and it's almost one of those things where their offensive boost is obviously going to come because of Russell Wilson. You know, we'll see what Nathaniel Hackett kind of does with that offense. But I almost think, I do think, honestly, that defense would be better if Vic Fangio was still there. Um, and I'd 100%. probably, you know, have a higher opinion of it. But, um, you know, they went with Russell Wilson and Nate Hackett. So yeah. I think they're looking for that offensive boost more so than the defensive. I mean, they had a ton of injuries last year, specifically like linebacker, defensive end. They traded Vaughn Miller in the, in the middle of the season. I mentioned Bradley Chubb not being healthy. And they were still like a top 10 unit in DVOA, and they were still a top 10 unit in like uh, scoring. Like, I think that they're going to miss Vic Vangio's just presence and ability to game plan and things like that for sure. As you ever kind of sound, he sounds like a great coach, but it's going to take him a while to uh, get going. Um, Next super chat from Renee. Thoughts on the new football for Thursday night? And obviously, this is Amazon Prime. Um, I watched a little bit of their preseason broadcast, and uh, it's going to take them some time to work out some kinks. But I mean, the cast of characters on that show is super entertaining. You're talking about Ryan Fitzpatrick and uh, Richard Sherman and Andrew Whitworth kind of being the pre cast. I think is super interesting. Um, I like Kirk Herbstreet. I think he's a great announcer. So mm -hmm. uh, we'll see. I mean, in terms of college football, man, like Kirk is is probably the best booth broadcast guy around. I don't like Kirk Herbstreet. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Wait, wait, wait. I'm confused. Wait, what is Al Michaels doing then? Al Michaels is the 
play-by-play guy with oh okay so it's him it's him and herb street right yeah yeah okay i think if they can figure out what 40 time isaiah spiller has then they're already (laughs) doing well Hmm. i'm sure kirk herb street will love calling games where the players get paid (laughs) see against that yep uh but (laughs) what was i gonna say oh uh Wait. Oh, I thought he was asking about that new football they designed for Thursday night. Like that, that, um, oh, like literally the oh, football. Like literally I thought he was football. asking about the football thing and they showed those that's videos fake. on Twitter. Yeah, that's fake. Yeah. It's fake. Oh. I, I, well, obviously, I knew they were going to play games with it. I didn't know if it was like something they were advertising for like Thursday night. No, they're, it, it's like a real football, but it's oh. not like they're not going to use it in yeah, yeah, actual yeah. games. Like that yeah. would never happen. Having a different shaped football in the middle of the season that you just have to like transition to. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, that would take like a rules committee to to pass off on that. And yeah, Tom Brady might go undefeated on Thursday night games with Amazon. Then <laughs> Justin Herbert and Josh Allen throwing that thing around would be would be fun. But yeah, absolutely. Uh, Teresa with a super chat as well. He said, "How bad is the Raiders' offensive line heading into Week One?" Um, to me, it's clearly a bottom seven offensive line in the league. And you're talking about <laughs> <It's a> specific. <laughs> <laughs> it's Steven in offensive line. Allow him. I'm saying like specific. 25 or under. Like they're they're okay. clearly like 25 or below. Um, you know, I, I think they're a Colton Miller injury away from being the worst in the league, like by far. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think you feel good about Colton Miller's ability there, but they've got question marks across the board outside of that. So, um, you know, that right side of the offensive line, you're talking about Thayer Munford or an undrafted free agent. Um, I don't even know how to say his name, man. It's uh, it's not Lemon I'll say it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And then um, is Dylan Parham's going to be their starting right guard? I don't think they know. I don't think my dad says he, I don't think so. So it's, it's bad. Like the Raiders are going to put up a lot of points. It's going to be very similar to like the Bengals were last year, where it's going to be a lot of big plays, but like sustainability is not going to be great. Like there, there are going to be games where the Raiders don't score more than 17 points because their offensive line is so bad. So they were 27th in the league last year in pass blocking efficiency with an oh my god, <laughs> and it's worse, and it's gonna get worse. <laughs> so, um, you know, you just good luck. They're trying to pull like a, a early Telesco era Chargers Rivers sort of thing, where it's like, well, we got the quarterback, we got some wide receivers, good luck, and uh, no line, no defense. So we'll see how it goes. Well, we'll see if uh, maybe Josh McDaniels can pull Dante Skarniecki out of retirement or something. Like, that's probably oh, yeah. the only way I to don't fix even, that. I don't even think line. even Dante could make this work, man. <laughs> so the Raiders' so PBE bad. was so bad last year, even though they were 27th, that their PBE, pass blocking efficiency, was lower than the Chargers had in 2020. Oh, my God. Even worse. <laughs> so that's how bad their line is, in theory. That's wild. That's wild. Um, this is an interesting question. Uh, who would take over the reins from Keenan and or Mike Williams first? Jalen Guyton, Josh Palmer, DeAndre Carter. Um, 
Palmer. I feel like Keenan is definitely Palmer. Like he's Palmer's like dedicated his life to studying Keenan Allen and like <laughs> be a little more athletic version of Keenan Allen. So that that's where Josh would play if anything happens to Keenan. It's it'll depend. So last year Palmer subbed in for Williams and KJ Hill and who's the other guy? Oh, Jalen Guyton subbed in for Keenan Allen. <laughs> So that's kind of how they did it last year. So I think, but obviously Palmer wasn't a starter. So things can definitely change. Palmer can kind of do either, I suppose. But if, he, if I had to like pick between those two, and that doesn't really make any sense, but Guyton for Keenan and Palmer for Williams, which is what they did last year. Yeah. Oh, I put the wrong one on here. Literally, who is this person? I, I have Tom. never heard of Lester Car- Cotton in my life, and I <laughs> love offensive line play. I he don't know like who this man is. He made the Hall of Fame in like 56 or something. Like Lester Cotton. Sounds <laughs> <laughs> like a D-tier Spider-Man villain. <laughs> Lester Cotton. <laughs> it's cotton time. It's cotton time. <laughs> it's cotton time. <laughs> I'm gonna look up who Lester Cotton is. Hold on. I've never heard of him until you wrote that, so thank you. Oh, is he a... also the so name, he was like... undrafted free agent in 2019, who I don't think has ever played a regular season snap. Oh, fun. Oh, wait, no, I'm sorry. Field goal. Uh, yeah. Wow. So starting right guard. Wow. Yeah, that's bad. That's really bad. I, yeah. Uh, James Malia is the Raiders offensive line Senor Calamente bad? Honestly, he probably would be uh, a starter. It sounds like it. (laughs) I didn't know who the fuck Lester Cotton was, just like I didn't know who Senor Calamente was before he played, so. (laughs) Oh, man. Lester Cotton Sr., by the way. Oh. Oh. Wait, how does that work? (laughs) Did he name his son Lester Cotton He must have just had a kid or something. Yeah, it's just like, yeah. So he's a hop and I see junior. the senior. Yeah. yeah. Wow. It's like how uh, do you see a senior? There's this there's another senior in the NFL somewhere else, too, I think. Yeah, I do think there I've seen one. I don't remember who he is though. I want to say well, that's like one Raiders or something. All right. Uh next question I wanted to bring up uh, again from James Malia. That's funny. Uh, he wants to know how we see the linebacker rotation and game day activity work out with six on the roster. So we obviously talked a lot about um, we've talked a lot about Kyle Vahinoe's role, Kenneth Murray coming back. But uh, Alex, we'll start with you here. What do you uh, make of James's question here? I mean, I think certainly from the jump, they're going to do Kyle Van Noy and, and Kenneth Murray. That's what it sounds like. And then after that, you have your tranquil and Troy reader and all those guys sub in. Um Eamon Ogbong Bumiga, probably the healthy scratch to start the season, assuming they go with five linebackers on game day. I guess in some situations they could also go four, um, but Neiman's pretty valuable to play there too for special teams. Uh, so, I mean, that, that that's kind of how it breaks down. I don't know if there's a lot more they'll do, but obviously depends on how fast Kenneth Murray comes along and uh, if he can stay healthy. And obviously that can kind of change from week to week. It's kind of dicey where those inactives are going to be because usually it was like Larry Roundtree, but you're not inactivating, you know, Spiller or Michelle or or Kelly, at least not at this point. And, you know, you have six DTs, but like you're probably keeping them all active. So 
I, I guess Amen or, or Neiman have to be the the person that's inactive, but I don't know. I feel like they're okay with Tranquil out there right now, and I feel like Murray isn't really in any rush to get. Well, he is. But I don't think they're in any rush to get him back out there. I think they're really happy with this kind of happy accident of Kyle Van Noy right now. So I don't know. I think it might be Tranquil out there week one with Kyle Van Noy. Yeah, when I tweeted out my initial concern about the edge rusher spot, everybody was like, well, Kyle is just going to play a lot of edge rusher then. And it's like, I think they want him at linebacker. I, I think they want him being the middle of their defense and, you know, being the leader of the defense in the middle. Um, you know, I think he'll rush the passer in certain designer packages, you know, when they go to dime, you know, maybe they bring him down and kick Joey Bosa inside or Cleo Mack inside and drew tranquil is your other linebacker or kenneth murray or something um but like at this point i would expect like 80 85 of kavanoi snaps to be at linebacker um and i i'm with tyler i think that right now you're talking about drew tranquil as the starter that could certainly change as they kind of ease kenneth murray back into full-time action um but i i think it's going to be kavanoi and tranquil starting and then um Murray Reader will be the two primary backups. And like Alex said, I do agree with him that Amen is is probably going to be a healthy scratch on, on game days and be that inactive player. Cause it you know, carrying six linebackers on, on the active roster on game day, I think is a lot to ask because then you're just losing depth somewhere else. Cause that means you probably are only having five defensive tackles or the three running backs, or you know, it's you know, seven offensive linemen. So Everything on game day is a number uh, numbers game because you have 53 players on the roster, but you can only have 47 active on game day. So I think having all six on the active game day roster is probably a little bit too much of an ask. So I would expect Amen or Neiman to maybe, maybe they alternate like the running backs did last year on, on who's playing and who's not playing, mm -hmm. um, but they won't have all six on game day. Yeah, I think ne Neiman is active just because of the special teams. And then like, I think he'll always just be that special teams guy. But of course yeah. we'll see with injuries. Um, I get to do it. Yeah. Mom, thanks for the super sticker. I appreciate it. I get to see it on YouTube. Also, it's way cooler on YouTube than it is in our stream. <laughs> That's fair. I uh, wanted to bring up Brett's question here. What could Herbert's statistical peak be this season? 6,000 yards, 60 total touchdowns. Seems like the cast yes. around him this year. And the defense that should theoretically get him the ball more could get him nuclear. Tyler, what do you think? Uh, I think he actually, his stats drop this year, but through no fault of his own. I think if you talk about EPA per play, I think if you talk about turnover-worthy play rate, all that stuff, I think that all looks about the same. But they're carrying four running backs, and I think they feel pretty good about it. And they got Zion Johnson so they could run to the right more. And they got DeAndre Carter for some handoffs, and yeah, you know, and they have a really good defense, or in theory they do. I think they're putting way less stress on key, or on Dustin Herbert this year. I don't think he has to put up as much numbers. I think the efficiency numbers, all that, will still look the same. Fantastic, top five in the league, no problem. Um, I don't think he'll throw under four thousand yards by any means. I just think that instead of going up this year, I think he just becomes a better. You know, play caller, better audibling, better at drawing people off sides and, you know, whatever. I don't know if he'll really push like, you know, he won't hit 6,000 yards, obviously. Like, that's not really realistic, but 
I actually think he goes down a bit this year because, again, he had 43 total touchdowns, 5,000 total yards or whatever. Like, There's only so much more up you can go. I think he will either stay about the same or drop down a bit, and that's that's good. I want that. I want him to be able to hand the ball off and someone get 80 yards for him. Yeah. You know, I want the defense to get a pick six for him. That's what I'd like to see this year. Yeah, a lot of Justin Herbert's statistical success last year, obviously, was hit. the Chargers needed him to be Superman every single week, and that's why you get a 5,000-yard uh 43 total touchdown season i think touchdowns could go up a little bit um just because of their their red zone potential that they have i mean you're talking about just very large human beings you know uh being his main pass catch and i think um the efficiency in the red zone should definitely increase this year um so i could see him throwing for you know 40 something touchdowns but i don't think he throws for that many more yards this year i think you're also going to be in more, in more positive game scripts because hopefully you are leading more games so i am we'll do our our final snap predictions probably at, at some point before the season but right now before like i like really kind of nailed and I, I would say probably like 4800 yards 40 passing touchdowns is probably where i end up at uh i'll go on the higher end i'll say 45 touchdowns 5,000 yards as the ceiling. Um, like, yeah, I mean, they have DeAndre Carter and they're carrying four running backs, but I still think they're going to ask Justin Herbert to obviously do a lot and he's going to have to win them games. Um, so, yeah, I hopefully, in theory, they should have a better running game, but I still don't think that's going to stop them from letting Justin Herbert chuck it all over the field and with a better offensive line than what we saw at you know points in the middle of the season last year. You should be able to get more of those go ball, deep ball opportunities, which obviously sure. kind of inflate yardage and touchdowns and all those metrics. So uh, I would go on the higher end, say max 45 touchdowns and probably the 5,000 yard mark. Yeah. Um, in, in terms of deep balls, right? I think people are going to get their wish a little bit more this year and, and, you know, have the opportunity to throw the ball deep a little bit more because of Zion Johnson. And I think they feel better about Trey Pipkins than they did about Storm last year. So mm -hmm. I think you, you know, you see another step forward in this too with Sony Michelle as a, as a pass protector, Trey McKitty taking a step forward as a pass protector. And I think you, you can create more uh, deep shot opportunities because of that. Did you guys get a chance to watch the uh, Arjun's video, the analytics video about you know Herbert's A dot not, and all that sort I of stuff? I have not yet. No, there was one point where, so Herbert last year threw more interception than he had turnover worthy plays, which speaks just to his bad luck last year. So hopefully that you know re returns to normal, if you will, and he gets you know under ten. Yeah. The interception dialogue on social media so and on sports shows is so funny to me. It's like Herbert threw 15 interceptions. So did Josh Allen. Matthew Stafford led the league in interceptions, and people think he's better than Justin Herbert. It's like, you know, do more research. Every, every, all of you can get a PFF access, uh, PFF account for free, probably. Like, you know, it takes two seconds to look it up. Right. Uh, another super chat from Teresa. Always appreciate it. Of the first five games, which one is the most absolute must win? Which loss would feel the worst? Um, I think must win. You have to start one and zero. I think um, you know mm -hmm. the other three games after the first two are. are I, I think the Chargers should win those three games pretty easily. So you're talking about week one or week two. Um, so I think you have to start week one. I think you can stomach a loss to the Chiefs on a short week. 
in mm-hmm. Arrowhead more than you could uh, a loss to the Raiders on opening week at home after everything that's kind of happened this offseason and, of course, like the fan situation as well. Yeah, it's only one game. If they lose to the Raiders, they would only start 0-1. But I honestly couldn't take their season seriously for like another 10 weeks uh, and 10 <laughs> straight wins if they lose to the Raiders. You can't finish the season like that last year, spend hundreds of millions of dollars and, and draft, I think, pretty well and sign good players and then go lose to the Raiders at home. Like You can't do that. This is the game you've been thinking about. And I know... You know, if a Hoko says, not like particularly like a not political, revenge. yeah, it's not political, but like, I mean, kind of bullshit, right? Like, like some of these guys <laughs> want to go out there and yeah. I would love to see a blowout. Like, I, I hope I just want them to get out their frustrations and just beat the snot out of them. Maybe it won't happen, but they have to win. I can't take you seriously if you talk about all this all year and you sign all these players and you lose the Raiders at home. I couldn't take you seriously for a good long while. Um, that was a little bit more harsh than I was expecting. Uh, <laughs> like, I mean, no, they, they should win that Raiders game must win though at Owen one and you get a chance to play them again. I mean, I don't know that classifies as a must win. Obviously I, I think in the macro in those first two games with Raiders chiefs, I think you have to win one of those two games, right? Sure. Um, you would like Definitely. to win two. But I think you just starting 0-2 in the division would put you in a rough spot as far as tiebreakers, even if you go on some like winning streak later in the year. Um, the must-win games, if you're talking about the first five, are Jaguars, Texans, and Browns without Deshaun Watson. <laughs> like, you have to win all Fair. three of those games. There's no excuse to drop a single egg. This isn't, you know, Houston and 20 players are on the COVID list and Rex Burkhead, like, we're not doing that anymore. Like you have to win those games, especially as the schedule gets harder later in the season. So, um, yeah, for me, I know people are going to focus a lot on the Chiefs and Raiders, and rightfully so. But you also have to take care of business in in the three games that they should win after that. If we're talking about those first five, yeah, absolute worst case scenario for this team should be four and one after the first five games. Like, I, I agree. Like you, if you split the first two, I feel okay about it. I would obviously really like you to have the win be against the Raiders, but, um, you know, you have to beat those three teams. I I get what Alex is saying for sure. Um, If you start 0-2, though, I think everybody is going to start, you know, pouring the the doubt train on you, and, you know, it's going to be old, same old Chargers. Like, they're not serious contenders after all this. So um, I think in 1-1, you're okay. If you can go 2-0, obviously fantastic. Um, But I... (laughs) Like if you lose to the Chiefs, I almost like don't care if you beat the Raiders. Also, um, you know, I'm I'm okay losing at Arrowhead on a short week, like I said. But if you lose to the Raiders, I'm I'm not going to be a happy camper. No, and honestly, we need them to. It's a must win for me for us because there's more <laughs> money when we win. Um, nobody watches us when we lose, so winning, <laughs> winning is good. Starting off hot is good. And supposedly, I'm the Jew on this podcast. I mean. I'm Chinese. <laughs> We're about the same thing. Yeah, we park, we park our starships in the same shuttlecraft areas. You know, I mean, I, I have to pay a mortgage in the next couple months. Like, yeah. I would love more money. So, yeah. <laughs> all right, good questions. Um, so we'll take questions for about ten more minutes, guys. If you haven't asked uh, a question, or if you uh, if we missed yours from earlier, um, feel free to do that. 
Chorizo had a good one uh, earlier. Oh, he asked, uh, what's the best and worst broadcast team? Um, I mean, in terms of the NFL guys, mm -hmm. I really like Charles Davis and Ian Eagle. Those two, mm -hmm. I think, are, are really, really good. Um, worst for me is probably, um, shoot, what's his name? Not Trent Green, the other guy who played for the Raiders. What was his name? He's like CBS's like six stream broadcast, and the Chargers got him all the time in 2020. Uh, don't I remember. Know I, I, I don't know. I get call my dad. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Phone a friend. Um, if we're talking about the local broadcasts, um, whenever Mark Shalareth is on for Fox, I find that really annoying. <laughs> Um. Yeah, Mark's a little obnoxious for sure. Yeah, I'm trying to trying to think. Uh, I will say Fouts was rough this preseason because they'd yeah. have uh the one guy talk and then they'd cut to film or whatever, and you could clearly tell Fouts was reading like straight up a script, and then they'd cut back to him, and it would be the other, the other guy would talk, then they'd cut away while Fouts was talking because he was clearly reading a script. And it's like, ah, jeez, so. Not great. Uh, the dynamics there too. I, I'm like, we, we got like a mid twenties year old and however old Dan Fouts is. I, I just didn't like, I mean, it's yeah. preseason broadcasting, right? But yeah. get LT in the booth, man. Like let's, why are we not doing LT in the booth? I don't understand why we make LT do the sideline stuff. Yeah. I like whenever uh, Kevin Harlan does the games for Fox. Uh, he's fun. Mm, yeah. um, Kevin's good. Philip Rivers. Yeah. People bring him up in the chat. If, God, I don't know how someone hasn't offered him like a broadcast job or something yet because that yeah. he would be like the perfect Monday Night Football, like whatever mm -hmm. kind of guy. Um, but yeah, I I would say nationally, I think Buck Aikman is probably the best broadcast. Um, I know Joe Buck gets a lot of shit, but like he... Yeah, people I don't mean, like Joe Buck. I know, but like he's he's the best like announcer doing it. And Nance, Nance is okay too. Um... I would kind of say Romo, Romo Nance, but Romo, I think, fell off um, compared to how he started earlier uh, in the seasons that he started. He but, tries too uh, hard now. He tries way yeah, too I hard Yeah, I do think he does try a little too hard. Um, I'd probably say Buck Aikman. The NBC broadcast is always, I mean, Al Michaels is is arguably like one of the best broadcasting people ever. But is it Collinsworth and Tarico now? Yeah, it's Collinsworth and Tarico, and I really like Mike Tarico. Mm -hmm. I think he's fantastic at what he does. But Chris Collinsworth is so hard to listen. God, to I him. hate him. God, I do not hate any man more than Chris Collinsworth. He tried to piss all over the Eagles Super Bowl so bad. He wanted the Patriots. I hate him. Yeah, oh. he's he's got an agenda each broadcast for sure. Yeah. Who is on Monday Night Football this year? Buck and Aikman. Um, Monday's Buck and Aikman, yeah. I can't even keep track anymore. Well, Buck and Aikman and uh, Peyton and Eli. Yeah. Use me yeah. Too. And then there's like a couple games where it's going to be the guys who used to do it. Uh, Lewis Riddick, I think Dan Orlowski, and um, uh, Levy. Bruce Levy, is that his name? Sean Levy? Sean, the, the weeks Steve. that Aikman and Buck have predetermined in their contracts to take off. To yeah, Costa yeah, Rica. <laughs> yeah. When they're when they're like, you know, they get, you know, like uh, Washington and, and the Giants yeah. or some shit. Uh, 
Yeah, Scott Childs says he actually really likes Joe Buck, so he's with you. Yeah. It's a shame he won't be on the World Series anymore because he's not with Fox, but... Mm -hmm. Need more Rex Ryan. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Him and um, his old linebacker, what's his name? Uh, Scott, who played for the Ravens and the and the Jets. Bart Scott. Bart. Bart Scott. Yeah. That mm -hmm. guy's a fucking moron. I, I can't stand <laughs> listening to him when he goes on ESPN. Oh, yeah. They do that thing on like ESPN radio where Bart Scott and like all the uh, New York guys like fill in. Alan Hahn yeah. is like unlistenable. <laughs> What what is the worst broadcast team you could possibly think of based on TV personalities? Oh. Like, Ooh, what, if we would have put like a together? fantasy draft of like Ooh. the top two or maybe like a sideline guy. Um, can I get Chris Collinsworth and Bart yeah. Scott together? Chris Collinsworth is Chris Collinsworth <laughs> is the number one pick. Um, I'm trying to think of like a really terrible like announcer guy to go with him. Like a play-by-play -play guy, like Chris um, Collinsworth and like Hubie Brown, like that, <laughs> <laughs> like eighty. They just get like nine-year-old Hubie Brown out there. Like that would be the worst one. <laughs> oh man, how do you guys feel about Gus Johnson, the guy who does uh, college football for Fox? Oh, I he's love awesome. Gus. I, I love it. Yeah, I love whenever yeah. he does like an NFL game, like when uh, mm -hmm. Jamal Agnew got that touchdown for the Jags last year, and he was the one on that one. He went that crazy, was fun. Yeah, yeah. I'm totally blanking on the guy who's with him, the blonde guy who was quarterback at Colorado. Oh, um, I don't remember his name either. Oh my gosh, this is, I, I should know this, but Gus Johnson and uh, don't remember. I'm gonna remember this after we log off, and it's gonna piss me off. Well, someone's gonna say it in the chat, I assume. Yeah, we'll just awkwardly pause till somebody helps us out. <laughs> Rich Gannon. That was the Raiders guy I was talking about earlier. Yeah. Yes, Rich Ooh, Gannon I'm, fucking sucks as a broadcaster. I'm bummed I didn't remember that one. Sorry, Dad. Sorry. Sorry, Papa Shoon. Booger uh, McFarland and Chris Collinsworth is probably oh the worst thing I could come <laughs> up with. All right, let's get to another question here. Dong too long wants to know who the biggest surprise player of the year for the Chargers. Oh, yeah, he was at Thanksgiving last year. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh my land. <laughs> um big, uh, is this like a breakout question or is this uh are we taking this yeah, literally like of. someone that would surprise us? Oh. Uh I don't know. How do you take Dong Too Long's question, Steven? What do you think? <laughs> do you take it on top or on bottom of the stream? Oh, shit. <laughs> you gotta change that username, man. <laughs> um I mean, I think if you had asked me this question like a month ago and then we like had the knowledge that we had now, like Jot Taylor has been a very pleasant surprise for me. Um, Chris Rumpf as well, you know, seeing his kind of uh, offseason hype become legitimate or potentially become legitimate. Um, I would say those two players. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not paying attention anymore. <laughs> Joel Klatt is the guy who's Joel Klatt. Thank Jeff you, Johnson. Alex. Thank you, yeah. Joel Klatt. Thanks, Chorizo Conpapos, because I wasn't going to remember that fucking guy's name. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Shout out. <laughs> oh, my God. 
Scott Scott Kaplan has the Gus Johnson Award the week here in San Diego. Imagine Scott Kaplan calling games with like Chris Collinsworth. Just like Scott Kaplan and like Dan Orlovsky calling Chargers games. <laughs> with like Warren oh. Sharp doing sideline stuff. Such a strange individual. Uh yeah. Derek's brother, that would also be a bad one. That guy just all he talks about is the Raiders. Like, it doesn't even matter the context. Wow. Did the Chargers get a D from Bleacher Report for their draft class? Mm. Wait, is that like, an, did they like regrade after the preseason? After the preseason games? Like the... Hmm. Uh, let me look it up. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know who they got writing over at Bleacher Report. I don't think it's anyone good anymore because half of the NBA trades they put out don't even make sense and the teams <laughs> don't even have the picks that they trade in those. So I don't know. Uh, I mean, they have uh, a good NFL draft guy. I, th- I know Brandon mm-hmm. Thorne writes for them for the draft. Yeah. And, um, Nate Tice. Nate Tice. Well, he used to because he's doing The Athletic now. Mm-hmm. Um, Brent Sobleski, I think his name is. He's yeah. good as well. Couldn't tell you about their NBA coverage. Don't really pay attention to that. I don't know how you give them a, a D. Probably because they didn't have a second round pick. So they're like, well, wasn't couldn't find a good player. Yeah, I mean, if you're really talking about like their preseason grades, like, I mean, obviously they get points for Zion, they get points for Jamari, Ja Taylor, Isaiah Spiller's been hurt, but he's looked good when he's been out there. Oh, it's Maurice Moten. Okay. So I know him. He's a, I think he's a Raiders guy too. So there you go. Parent Asma says all the ESPN LA guys hate the Chargers. Yeah, I, uh, I believe it. And we hate them. <laughs> uh, Bill Plasky always hates on the Chargers too. I know he's LA Times, but I, I used to love that guy growing up. And then, you know, he just shit on the Chargers every time he gets the chance to. So the Raiders got a B minus. <laughs> we, <laughs> we sure we got a sure. D. Um, Give me to put it on the screen. Do you want to yeah. read it? Why not? Why yeah. not? All right, hold on one second. Just say some things. You guys know how they name Asian kids? <laughs> how do they name Asian kids? You just throw pots and pans down the stairs, and whatever sound it makes, it's uh, how you name them. <laughs> And that's how you get dong too long, or mm-hmm. ping pong. <laughs> oh my gosh! Okay, All here right. we go. It's loading. Cool. All righty. Mm, hold on. Yeah, so there's the. They don't have individual grades. Yeah, there you go. Did Did you want me to read it? Or, uh, yeah, go for it. Crap. Okay. <sighs> the Chargers added a starter with their first selection and depth with the rest of their picks at guard. Johnson will provide a boost to the Chargers' ground attack. Sawyer, with his starting experience in multiple positions on the collegiate level, can move into the first unit in Spot City on the interior. Blah blah blah. Woods may replace Adderley, but he struggled. Sure. Spiller is off to a slow career start. Okay, it's the preseason. Uh, Spiller recorded 13 carries for 37 yards, could miss a game, and I just won't talk about the rest of the players. 
So it's just like <laughs> it's it's Johnson, it's Woods, it's like Spiller, and then that's it. So I guess he didn't. I guess he missed the rest of. Did the, you watch the games? Class. <laughs> Because like Otito, Salyer, Taylor, Dean, Horvath. I'm not saying it's a great draft, like the greatest draft class ever, but I mean, you have. He didn't talk about at all any game action except for Woods missed tackles and Spiller's yardage. So what you could Google. <laughs> what the Fox score writing. D- Rams got a D minus. It's just an LA thing or something. I don't know. I mean, mm-hmm. until round three, I guess. I mean, Logan Bruss tore his ACL like on the first day of practice. So, did anybody get an A? Like, who got a good? Don't tell me it's the Patriots. No, we did not have the same great draft class as the freaking Patriots. Give me a break. We didn't take Taekwon Thornton in round two. Get out of here. C minus. A. Who got an A? The Giants? Fine. I guess. Yeah, uh, overdrafted. Yeah, first round picks. Quite a bit. <laughs> hey, Tyler, Teresa Compapa says he's going to use that joke when he goes to China. Okay, do you... <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> we have slightly more freedom of speech here. Yeah. I, I don't know if I would you, I, you know, I, I don't know if I would tell that joke to Emperor Chi if I were you, but <laughs> is that his name? Chi? Yeah, Chi Jinping. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> How'd you not know who, like the Emperor of China was? Why would I know that? <laughs> yeah, he's like the I mean he's like their president. I mean he's a little more of a dictator, less of a president, but like uh B minus for the Eagles, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, we're really off the rails in the last 15 minutes. <laughs> it's okay, we've barely lost any of our audience. I mean, oh, Xi Jinping man. does sound like someone threw pots and pans down the stairs if that was just to bolster your argument, but... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've just been here for so long that I have a, a German last name. Hmm. Schoen German? Yeah, so... So is Insdorf. Hmm, wow, look at us. Wow. <laughs> two, just yeah, two all... Germans cutting it off. <laughs> <laughs> Always been a fan of the Germans. Rich history between Asia and Germany, you know. Just, <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Between my people, and I am not you. German. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> it's no. Uh, all right, back on track. Dad John says uh, the Chargers have all the tools to win next Saturday or Sunday, and the division. Just do your job. He's very optimistic. He does think the Chargers both take the division. Mm, Your dad is very objective about the Chargers, and I appreciate that. Yes. He probably knows more about the Chargers than the Raiders at this point. (laughs) Probably. Probably. Uh, Chorizo says he thinks Papa Shun should wear a Chargers jersey if the Chargers pull out the dub, and Tyler should have to wear a Raiders jersey on the podcast (laughs) if the Raiders win. Sure. You guys ever bet or no? Um, I think we did once, but I didn't make him wear the Chargers jersey when they won Week Four or whatever. Um, but listen, it's it's expensive for him to buy a Chargers jersey. Raiders jerseys are pretty much always like four bucks in the you know the trash bag <laughs> aisle at Ralph's. So you know, if I have to wear a Raiders jersey, I don't want mine. It's pretty inexpensive. 
There you go. Um, Aslan wants to know, Alex, what if the Chargers play the Eagles in the Super Bowl this year? I would root for the Chargers, yeah. Because the Eagles already won one, so. Yeah. Also, more financially lucrative. <laughs> yeah, much more. <laughs> uh, hey, man, the Eagles, though, they look good. I mean, the NFC is definitely wide open. How are you feeling about those? Um, we'll win the NFC East and probably get bounced by the Bucks again in the first round or something. I don't know. <laughs> you guys got it this year, man. I'm, yeah. It's going to be good. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, if they win the division, they would they wouldn't play the Bucks in the first round unless the Saints win that division. But I think they could win um, a playoff game, you know, host like the Yeah, they could win one. The Niners, maybe. I, I guess that would be yeah. like the all depends game. if they win the division, because the wild card matchups are just all bad if they're you know. Has Carson Wentz played the Eagles yet? No. I don't know. No, he didn't play them last year. So I think they, they, he gets to play them twice this year. Yeah. Oh, man. Hmm. I was listening to uh, Bill Barnwell and Robert Mays talk about the NFC East, and um, they were talking about why the Washington Commanders would trade for Carson Wentz. And they're like, he's probably like the 27th best quarterback in the league, but that's still an upgrade for them. And I'm like, that is so sad. That is so sad that that's what your rationale is. Um, I agree, Chorizo, but you know, I've had my Utah time for the last couple of days. I'm okay. I'm good. We'll we'll give Steven the first two minutes of tomorrow's show if Utah beats Florida. Uh two minutes. <laughs> One and a half. All right, fine. All right. I think that's a, a good place to stop for today. So appreciate everybody for uh tuning in. Thanks for the uh super chats this afternoon. Uh, if you missed the interview with Braden Fajoko or the Chargers analytics video that Arjun did earlier this week, uh, stay tuned for that one. We'll be able to kind of uh, clear up our weekly schedule tomorrow as well. Um, like I said on Twitter, Arjun and I will be going live on Thursdays from now on. We'll be doing um, Chargers analytics, make it a little bit more interactive, go over the injury reports, and also talk about some of Arjun's favorite betting picks for that specific week so um stay tuned for that one i'm really excited about uh making that change getting arjun uh live on the show more often i think it's going to be good for everybody so uh as always if you are listening to this leave a rating or a view really appreciate that as well and we'll see you guys tomorrow bolt up everyone is talking about magnesium it's all you hear about but why what do we know about magnesium Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance.
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.